Hey guys, um, I don't know why I always feel like I need to burp at the beginning of podcasts. I realize it must have something to do with like talking after not talking for a while, but I, I find myself doing this like half concealed quiet burp at the beginning of every episode. Uh, I guess I would apologize, except whatever, it's real. Um, this is going to be a bit of a ramble because I had this idea, but I, but I don't really know where it's going to lead. So here goes. I was sitting in my shop yesterday and daydreaming about, I have this sort of mm, plan to build these skin on frame kayaks as a lead up to building a larger skin on frame sailing slash rowboat uh, in a couple of years. And I figured, well, I need to it'd be smart to lead up to it by building a couple kayaks because they're a lot easier. Uh, they're smaller. And you, you learn the ropes that way. It's easier to sort of find plans for that. <clears throat> and then I th- thought to myself, okay, well, if I want to build this thing three years from now, then for the next two years, next two summers, I need to uh, build a kayak each summer. Um, so I'll start saving up this summer to be able to afford to do that next summer. Um, and where am I going to do it? And I figured that I can uh, create a covered space by rigging a tarp off of uh, off of the, the high roof line of my current shop. So we're covering the space downhill from it. Erica, if you're listening, that's going to be the next thing I'm going to have you do. Just not quite yet. Uh, and then I was thinking about how I'd always thought that I would build um, these kayaks or these boats in my future shop. That a big consideration of, of the size of my shop was that it needed to be long enough for me to build sort of a long boat like this. And it needed to have doors appropriately spaced so that I could get it out. And and part of what I, part of what uh, the change that I had to overcome in order to be okay with in order to be okay with building my current shop, which is just 12 feet long, was letting go of the idea that I was going to build these things inside. Um, uh, Because that was a big... It felt like a big deal um, to let go of that. And it got me thinking about what I had always thought my future workshop was going to be which was pretty different than what it is now. I'd always thought I'd sort of wait until I had time to do it in a certain way that was insulated, that was in a completely different spot in our yard, and it was going to have this, all these different things that were going to, quite frankly, were going to be very expensive. Um, But I was thinking of it as like, this is going to be the forever thing. Um, And... And it got me thinking about how there's almost always a gap between what we daydream about and what is 
realistically possible right now. And for me, the thing that has always spurred action is getting over that gap. Getting my daydream to not just sort of come back down to ground and be realistic. You know, the daydream of building the current shop I have now still felt like a daydream. It just felt realistic right now as opposed to, you know, realistic sometime in the future when I had 40 grand to throw at something as uh, non-essential as, as this. Um, and, and that, in bridging that gap or in figuring out how to take the daydream that feels way too big <clears throat> and make it something that isn't too big, that is how you actually have experiences in your life. Because I've spent 15 years daydreaming about my shop. I just found a notebook that I had, uh, well, I guess, 14 years ago. Right after I stopped sailing on ships and I had a sketch in there of the future shop that I wanted to have. And it, in many ways, it shared similarities with the shop that I was designing before my current shop. So I've been thinking about this for a long time, just recognizing that it was not going to be something that I was going to be able to do cheaply. And many things get put on hold while you wait for the money to line up right to do the thing that feels out of reach. And sometimes you're lucky in life makes it possible for you to do the expensive thing, and that's great. But for those of us who can't afford to do the expensive thing, it doesn't mean that we can't still push our dreams forward. It means that we need to figure out the cheap way to do it. Right? So, so for me, it was taking a shop that was going to cost 40 grand and a year of my time to build right and <clears throat> and winnowing it down to its bare essentials and being clever with the design and making it so that it cost 1200 to build and took less than a week of my time And there's so many details that go into that. But what it means, I was thinking the other day about how, how having the shop has opened up sort of all of these things for me in terms of having a space, in terms of my sort of business being more professional in, in how I interact with it. Um, and also how it shapes... Oh, that's really beautiful. I came across a caterpillar dangling from a thread from a tree, but you can't really see the thread, so it just looks like a caterpillar suspended in midair. I'm going to walk around it. Um, hold on, actually, I'm going to take a photo of it, because it's really cool. Uh, stand by. Save this photo. I'll leave this. I'm going to see if I can get 
Nope. Doesn't want to take the picture. Hard thing is there's nothing. Whoop. Now it's on my hand. There we go. No. Alright, I'm almost done guys. Promise. Promise. Oh, now the poor thing is scared, so we'll just let it do its thing. Okay. Um <clears throat> let's assume for a second that I that I hadn't built my shop, that I had convinced myself is gonna be this long process. And that it was just gonna take a long time and cost a lot of money. And so I was taking it slow. I'd sort of let myself let myself entertain the idea of it being an expensive long process. And let's say I was still doing the groundwork for it. I'd cleared the ground, I'd poured sonotubes of concrete way down deep, or had someone put in these spiral things that my brother recommended. And I was still working on prepping the site. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd built the deck. Let's say I was at that point here, midsummer. How many things in my life that I'm already entertaining doing would I be putting off that much further? I wouldn't be thinking about building a kayak next year. I'd be thinking about finishing the shop. I'd be figuring out where the heck I was going to be working in the winter. Am I building another temporary hoop house? Am I using the one that I have? Right? There are all these experiences that I've now had working in the new shop that I wouldn't have had. And the way that it shapes my thinking to go up to work every day. So, nothing happens in a vacuum. Right? You can't say, well, I could have done this other thing and I would still be where I am today. No. And in many ways, well, there are plenty of times that I regret buying the cheap thing rather than the expensive thing. There are also a number of cases where making something more expensive and more complicated just means that you miss out on a lot of experiences because you're still stuck on the thing. So I think that's really the thing that I think about, right? How many of us have had the experience where, I just had this the other day, I can't remember what it was for. You go online to do some research about buying something and you come across a good option and you almost go for it and then you decide to poke around a little bit and do some more research about, well, maybe I want this other thing instead. Maybe I should get this other thing. Let's read some reviews. Let's... And before you know it, it's an hour later. You're actually further away from making a decision and maybe have less clarity about what, whether the thing that you were going to choose was a good thing or not. And at that point... At that point, uh, it almost doesn't matter how well the thing turns out. 
you've lost because you've lost that hour of your life that could have been spent doing something memorable to doing something completely inane. And, and so to some extent, I feel like uh, I feel like when possible, I just make a decision and run with it. And there have definitely been times when I bought something that was cheap and regretted it. But what I haven't done is lost much of my life in fretting over the decision or in pursuing the thing that was more expensive. Now, obviously there are times when you can find the right person who's going to give you the advice. Or obviously there are times when it's worth spending more money on something because you could just tell that it's the right thing for you. There's this fantastic documentary called Around Cape Horn that was uh, hmm, interesting. Something is blooming. That doesn't smell particularly good here. We're at the turnaround spot. I wonder if it's like seed ripening in the grasses or something. Come on, ducks. Uh... This guy, Irving Johnson, was on the last giant square rigger to go around Cape Horn back in 1929. And he made a documentary about it. I'd seen it before, but we showed it to the kids recently. And I, and I then showed the kids, I have a book of his that's all about, he then went on to buy a 90-foot schooner, wooden schooner that he named the Yankee, and proceeded to essentially do the earliest version of what I did where I did a sea semester out of Woods Hole and we went on a sailing ship and sailed around and, you know, I paid them to give me that experience. And so people paid him to be on the cruise doing these trips sailing around the world, which is a model that sailing ships have used ever since then and were using before him, right? When he was on the Peking going around the Horn, he was a trainee, he was a volunteer trainee. But for him, for Irving, the you know it was a it was a leap way too far to consider buying one of these giant ships. But it did seem reasonable to him that he could buy a ninety foot schooner and outfit it and take people around the world in it for his. Uh, for his experience level and, and the situation as it was then and his connections then he was, and, and the price of a ship then he was able to do it in a way that today it would cost you millions of dollars to buy or build a ship like that. And so sometimes history can obscure what feels like a reasonable leap right? Because everyone's in slightly different situations and sort of the price of things fluctuates over time relative to other things. Ships were relatively cheap back then compared to now. And everything is relative. So he wasn't thinking to himself, well, I want to sail around the world. Let's buy a 17-foot sailboat and sail around the world, as some people have done since then. He was thinking, you know, I want to, I want it to be a working sailboat. Let's Let's buy a, a ship, a small ship. Um, 
which today seems sort of insurmountable. And so I guess my point is that it's always going to be relative. And somebody that you see on Instagram is going to be building some shop that just seems gorgeous and beautiful and far out of the reach of what you can do. And that's because their situation is different than yours. So the trick is to sit with an idea for long enough, right? Not 15 years like me, but I sat with the idea of this shop for probably four years of actively thinking it through and daydreaming and honing down ideas and probably two years of like really coming up with stud diagrams and thinking through where the window placements are going to be. And over the course of those two years, it, it I came to, to recognize what mattered and what didn't matter and to think about how I actually wanted to use the space. And it became much clearer to me what, what things mattered. And, and it then allowed me to make this imaginative leap. I had enough experience with other building other sort of hoop houses and that sort of thing that allowed me to take this imaginative leap where I thought about sheathing two of the walls with greenhouse plastic. And that was huge in terms of not needing windows or doors. Um, uh, and also providing much of the needed heat during the wintertime, which allowed me to not insulate. So, so the, my point is that uh, it's, while it's good to, it's good sometimes to sit on something because the, the best solutions for now, the, the good temporary solutions, are solutions that are informed by an understanding of all of the options that in some ways is cross-disciplinary. And, and I think now of what I might have built had I started this project 10 years ago, and I think it wouldn't have been nearly as good. Um, where I, it would have stuck me into certain places. Again, you don't... Life is a choose-your-own-adventure, and you don't get to look back and know where you might have been if you'd chosen something differently. Because it throws you into a completely different life path. You know, if I'd built a shop way back then, would I have been into spoon carving? Probably not. I probably would... Probably the space would have shaped me into going into something else. Would that have worked out or not? I don't know. And so, how do you take this and apply it going forward? Because before I wrap up, and I recognize this is a long one, guys. Like I said, it was going to be a ramble. I'm a big believer in the temporary solution that moves you forward. That allows you to proceed with your dream now as opposed to deferring your dream to some future date when you've gotten your act together. And so there's tons of elements that go into good impermanent solutions. I talk about this in my book. There's a whole chapter on it. In many ways, I've been doing this for the last 15 years is we couldn't afford a a real greenhouse, so I built a sapling hoop house. 
and then iterated and iterated on that until I really feel like I've got it down. Uh, you know, couldn't afford a workshop. Well, couldn't afford a, a house, so we built a tiny house. And then that informed building a tiny hut down at the Christmas tree farm. And then that informed building this new shop now. And so each of these iterations is far less expensive than building a permanent thing. And it helps you figure out what do I actually need now? One of the things that I have always loved about uh, the Little House on the Prairie books, which is something that I grew up with and something that we read to the girls, is that while I've always been drawn to the book Farmer Boy, which is about Laura Ingle Wilder's husband growing up, and he grows up on an established farm in upstate New York with lots of barns and things, that feels like an impossible dream to create a space or walk into a space that has a functioning barn that's not falling down, that's, you know, that has a complex of spaces. That is so expensive these days, even to buy one that's falling down and fix it up, that it feels impossible. And what feels much more possible is the example of Loring Wilder's family, however true or not true it might be, of starting small, of starting with a haystack out in the open. And then you build the barn that can hold the haystack later. But it doesn't mean that you wait and build the barn first. And it's always an interesting lesson for me, reading those books to the girls, which they've basically grown out of them at this point, but it was interesting, seeing what got built first and what were the priorities and how things stacked on top of one another. And I think it's, it's a useful exercise to ask yourself, you know, if I build a cheap temporary part of this now, and I build it well, so it's not just something that's going to fall apart in three years. I'm not talking a blue plastic tarp on top of a wood pile. If I build it reasonably well and well thought out, but easy to execute, what can I then stack on top of that? What does that make possible going forward? And where do I want to end up? And how do I kind of leapfrog my way to that place much quicker by building impermanent stuff and bridging the gap between what I want and what is realistically possible now. And I think that's how you end up with a place that isn't stuck waiting for some future time when you have it all figured out and can build the perfect thing, but you build now what you can build now, and that gets you to a place later on where you can build the next thing that you can build now. And when you look back in 20 years, you'll be amazed at what you have accomplished but it wasn't because you waited 20 years and then built the perfect thing. It's because you built all along. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk tomorrow.